I invite you to take your Bible and join with me in reading one verse from the Gospel of John. And uh, I sense today a special moving of the Spirit of the Lord as we worship today in spirit and truth. Having studied the Holy Spirit in Bible study in Sunday school this morning, and continuing that as we talk about one of the promises of God, one of the great, great promises of God. God promises us joy. God promises us joy. So we're going to talk about joy today and the difference between joy and happiness and uh, kind of where to find joy. And this two-hour sermon only has two points to it, so we won't be, we won't be here very long, um, but uh, God's going to bless as we study and read from His Word. All right, so let's put this sentence up here together. And I'll tell you what, since it's just one verse, uh, let me invite you to turn to the screen. I know some of you bring in your Bibles, and thank you for bringing your, your Bible, whether on uh, your uh, phone or, or the book itself. Let's just read this together on the screen. Can we do that? That'd be okay. Say amen. Shake, shake your head like this. That's okay. If it's not, well, just hang in there. Here we go. Ready? These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Wow, that's a powerful, powerful sentence. We're going to break that down a little bit and talk about where to find joy in Jesus Christ. Now, to find joy in Jesus, we need to go to the Bible first and talk about the biblical understanding of what true joy is is what true joy is and so we go to the gospel of john john chapter 15 particularly as jesus talks about him being the vine and we are the branches and when you're connected to jesus that's how you have joy in your life now this particular passage in john chapter 15 is in the middle of chapter 14 to 17 if you took the gospel of john and you went from chapter well in your way of looking, chapter 14 to chapter 17, left to right there. Uh, That section of the Gospel of John is called the farewell discourse. That simply means that Jesus is saying to his closest disciples, uh, the 11 that are still following him here, Judas has already left the scene, Uh, they've already had the Last Supper together, and now Jesus is moving toward the Garden of Gethsemane, And he's saying farewell to the 11 that are remaining faithful. And uh, you remember in chapter 14, you believe in God, believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So don't be anxious, even though I'm leaving you. Verse 18 said, I will not abandon you. I will not leave you as orphans. And then he begins to talk in the next part that we're looking at here in the discourse about the Holy Spirit. And this morning you studied it in Sunday school, and uh, one of the words for the Holy Spirit in the Bible is what from Sunday school? Counselor, right? Counselor, an advocate, one who walks along with you. And Jesus said not only will he be with you, but he will live in you. He will live in you. So in this farewell discourse... Uh, Jesus is talking about saying goodbye to the disciples. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of those 11? And, and you've been following Jesus, and you've seen him do some incredible things. You know, you know you, you've seen Jesus 
heal the sick. You've seen him raise Lazarus. I mean, that's in John. Lazarus, come forth! That's what the Bible says he did. He shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus. And they're like, ah! but he did. And now this Jesus is saying goodbye to his disciples. They've seen him heal the sick, raise the dead, uh, the lame, get up and walk. I mean, just walk on water. And now he's leaving us? Now that's an anxious time. And uh, he said, not only am I going to leave you, but he talks about, on the other end of the discourse, he talks about, I'm going to be rejected, despised, I'm going to be crucified, life's going to get really, really hard. But right in the middle of the discourse, he says, I'm going to give you my joy. I'm going to give you my joy. What's he talking about? Well, in Hebrews, it describes what Jesus was talking about. Who for the joy, talking about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the trailblazer, the one that we follow, the one that leads us, who for the joy set before him, the joy, the joy, the joy, the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He despised its shame. And now is sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. Paul knew about that joy too. Paul had the hardest missionary life that's ever been. And yet he wrote in his final work to the church at Rome, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of, I'm sorry, yes, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it's about peace and it's about righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul knew about that joy. James, the disciple of John, the pastor of the first Baptist church in J Jerusalem. Well, I'm sorry, it wasn't a Baptist, but they acted like Baptists. He said, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various what? Anybody know? Trials. Joy in trials. The farewell discourse again, you see. Between the miracles, now you have Jesus saying, I can have, give you joy in this farewell discourse. Yeah. Count it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Let's talk about joy, and let's talk about happiness as we understand it. And let's try to get a better def def definition here. Uh, here it is very quickly. Anybody into track and field? Anybody here do track and, track and field? Yeah. If, if the Christian life were like the 100-yard dash, the sprint, versus the marathon runs, happiness would be like the 100-yard dash or sprint. It comes, it's fast, it's great, it's awesome. But joy is the marathon. And it's a marathon that not only lasts all your life and mine, but it lasts for all of eternity. All of eternity. Happiness is an emotion. And it's a good emotion. It's like sadness. It's like fear. It's like anger. It's like anxiety. But it's an emotion. It's a response to something that happens to you. I have a coffee cup in the parsonage over there. I picked it up somewhere. Goodwill store, actually, wasn't it? 
picked up at a, good, at a Goodwill store. There were two of them. And when I pick up that coffee cup, the part that Linda sees says, pancakes make people happy. <laughs> Folks, eating at Ekron Baptist Church always makes me happy. But happy feelings are soon replaced by other emotions if we're honest with ourselves. Joy is also a feeling. It's a good feeling. But it lasts forever. The joy we have in Jesus doesn't come and go with emotions. It is consistent. And it happens forever. Listen to the, listen, listen to the Thomas talk about it. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Wow. Jesus said, you will hear me say one day, enter into the joy that I have. Enter into my joy. It's a gift from God, folks. Joy is a gift from God. It comes by believing in Jesus and trusting Him to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to be your Redeemer. It's a long marathon of being. It's not a sprint. Joy will be a marathon. And God gives us this joy even if we're not happy. Do you hear that? God gives us this joy to remain in us even when we're not happy. One of the best things I've ever had to learn as a minister, because I thought I had to smile and put on a minister's face all the time. We don't have to smile all the time. We're not promised sunshine and rainbows in life all the time, but we are promised joy and eternal salvation, eternal life, which is a great reason for joy. Joy is this gift from God. Now, when you study the word joy in the Bible, in the New Testament, the root Greek word is kara. Say that with me, kara. See, you know a Greek word now. You know a little Greek, kara. From that word, we get the word grace, and we get the word joy. Apostle Paul said the fruit of the Spirit is kara, charis. It's really where we get the word charismatic. You've heard that term? All, right, all that comes from this root word called kara. Grace and joy. I want to give you two definitions that I read this week. One's from Reverend John. And Reverend John says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word of God and in the world around us. Let me go through that again. Christian joy, true joy, biblical joy. It's a good feeling in the soul. Not just in your head, but in way down in the soul. And it's produced by the dwindling of the Holy Spirit. He causes us to see Jesus Christ in the Word of God and in the world around us. Now that we're in the parsonage, I see Jesus in God's creation out here. Now, living in Louisville for 35, 40 years... I hadn't heard a whip, I mean, a, a Bob White in probably 40, 40 years, at least. At least. And I love coming to Ekron 
and enjoying Jesus in creation when I hear a Bob White, a quail. Bob White. God made that little Bob White. God made me. And I have a purpose in life just like that quail. And I have a purpose in life that's beautiful, just like that sound of that quail and to see that quail itself. Beautiful. God made you beautiful when he recreated you in Jesus Christ because the beauty of Christ, the, the best part of you and best part of me is Christ in us. Amen? The best part of us is Christ in us. The second definition I have here is by Reverend Lewis. She says, the joy is that indescribable sense when you find yourself experiencing abundant grace. You've heard um, uh, the guy on the radio say, how you doing? He says, better than I deserve. Well, God's grace is like that. More than I can comprehend. More than I deserve. More than my sin. It's abundant. It's above and beyond all of the ugliness of my sin and the destruction that sin has brought into my life and into this world. God's grace covers that, and it's as high as the heavens. High as the heavens. Can you reach the heavens? Can you jump up and grab a cloud? That's how high God's faithfulness is. That's how high God's love is. God's undying love. God's faithful love. Uh, God's grace and God's mercy <clears throat> that's fresh every morning when you and I wake up. Now that's something to be excited about. That's something to bring a fresher outlook on the world around us. To be bathed in that kind of grace. Kara. Joy of Almighty God. It's like a guarantee I have a guarantee because I'm saved and sealed and saved forever. I am guaranteed grace when I mess up. I'm guaranteed grace. Guaranteed. I bought a few things in my life. They say, here's your guarantee, and they send it to you, and you get home, you pull out the receipt. That going, I got to get online. I got to register. I got to have a password. I mean, there's so many hoops. I just give up on the guarantee. Or as we say in Louisiana, guarantee. But God's grace is guaranteed to you and me as believers in Christ for eternity. This kind of grace is security that I have. I know that no matter what's going on around me, I have the love of God. Especially, hear this, especially when it appears that love is nowhere to be felt, I have more love from God than anybody around me. Well, let's transition here and let's talk a little bit about some of the blessings of true joy. How do you spell joy? Spell it with me. J. What does J stand for? Oh, come on, y'all know what J stands for. You've been to youth camp, anybody? Anybody grow up with camp? All right, back in the 70s, it was J-O-Y. J stands for? There you go, Jesus. O stands for? Others. And Y stands for? You, yourself. 
There you go. That's how you spell joy. And that's my outline from here going forward. Isn't that complicated? Joy is not complicated. Uh, in fact, I've been around so many seminary professors and tearing words up, tearing the Bible. I really believe the whole Word of God was written to a people that couldn't read. It had to be that simple to the folks in that day and time. And we can just understand what it meant to those folks. We'll have a much better understanding of what it means to us today. It's just that simple. Jesus first, others second, you and me third. All right, what's the first one? Jesus first. Folks, there's joy in being a child of God. There it is. Psalm 51, you need to read it again and again and again. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me, he's pleading to God, restore to me the joy of my salvation, he said. Do you remember when you got saved? I remember when I got saved. I'm nine years old, and I was so focused on me and having a good time. My preacher told me if I didn't get saved, I was going to hell, and I didn't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. And after you get through talking about how hot hell was and the judgment to come and revivals and all that stuff, uh, we'd have thunderstorms down there in Louisiana, and you could see way off in the horizon all that thunderstorm. And I thought, is that Jesus coming back? And it's going to be like hell, and I, I'm just scared to death. And I got saved under that kind of preaching. I wish there was more of that kind of preaching because there is a hell. There is a judgment to come. We will all die. And after death, the judgment, the Bible says. It's appointed unto us once to die. And after death, the judgment. It was true. And so I went forward. When I went down the front and I shook Brother Yoakum's hand and bawled and squalled and he had to interpret it for me and help me to pray that prayer, the only thing I remember was afterward the whole world looked different. That little church of 25 people, everybody was different. They all, 25 people changed just like that when I got saved. Wasn't that amazing? Well, they didn't change. Guess who changed? I'd been changed. The grace of God changed me. And I had a whole new joy and a whole new outlook on life. Folks, there's nothing like a clean heart. There's nothing like a heart that's been um, uh, 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 cleaned by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why you need to read your Bible all the time. Because there's something called the washing of the water of the Word of God in our life. Francis Chan says, Intimacy with God can bring you more pleasure than the sin you're involved in. For some people, I'm tempted just like you are. There's a sin you've got, there's a favorite sin you've got. And you think, man, this, this just gives me a high. And first thing you know, you're, you're addicted to whatever it is. And you think, I just got to have more of that. That's nothing compared to the pleasures of knowing Jesus Christ and the joy of God. This intimacy that Jesus talked about is in the Lord's Prayer that we pray every Sunday morning. Our what? Father. Abba is the Greek word. It means dad. It means intimate relationship. And intimacy means you, are know, you know someone and you are being known by someone else. And Paul had that kind of intimacy with the Lord. 
and in his intimacy and closeness with Christ, he had some kind of thorn in the flesh. Was it a medical problem? We think so. Was he blind? We're not sure. Because he always had somebody writing letters for him. And when he would write a letter in the New, in that we have in the New Testament, and he wanted people to know, this is, this is not just my secretary, you know, uh, sending this, um, quoting me. I'm writing this myself. And he'd say, look how large my letters are. And scholars think, well, maybe he was about half blind. Could have been. And he prayed, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Second time, Lord, take this thorn away from me. And a third, you think God would answer Paul's prayers? Well, you know, you know who's closer to Jesus than Paul? Paul, God, he said, take this thorn away from me. And God says, I'm not going to do it. My grace, my kara, my joy is sufficient for you. It could be that the pain and suffering you're going through not just the sin you're tempted with, but the pain and suffering that you're going through is bringing more grace of God into your life than if you didn't have it. The joy of knowing G. The, G, the J in joy stands for Jesus. There's joy in being a child of God. O stands for others. There's more joy than you can possibly ex, uh, exhaust when you are blessing other people. Proverbs calls us to that kind of to be that kind of person. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor, blessing others. You see, God every day is pouring himself into us. Why can't we pour ourselves out to others as well? That's where the blessings are. If you're feeling sad, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling self-consumed, and when you talk to people, all you talk, to, talk about is yourself, find a way to bless somebody. Bless somebody with a card. Bless somebody with a word. A word of encouragement. A word of thank you. A word of a praise. A word of gratitude. As you get yourself focused on others, and trying to be a blessing to them, then blessings are going to come back to you more than you are giving to others. What a great way to live life. The more you give, the more you get. Huh? What's wrong with that? The more you give of your soul, the more you receive from the Lord. Now, everybody you give to is not going to appreciate what you give or the fact that you gave it. But you're the one that gets the blessing. And you all are so generous with us. You really are. I, I, wish, I hope you're as generous to the world out there as you are to us. Because this church is a blessing church. And I praise God to be honored to walk with you in this season of the church. The joy of being a blessing to others. So there's the joy of being a child of God, knowing Jesus, the J. There's the joy of uh, blessing others. But then there's also the joy of bearing fruit. When you focus on self, think about bearing fruit. Because remember, the kara, the grace, the joy, is Jesus in us. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the presence of Christ 
in the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. Joy. In the scriptures, fruitfulness is based in this impact of the gospel upon us, the presence of Jesus Christ. Paul said in, 1, in Corinthians 1, 6, he said, The gospel which has come to you, the good news, the saving gospel of Jesus, having received Christ, the gospel which has come to you is bearing fruit. He could see that in them. And increasing since the day, of, of, uh, since the day that you heard it and understood the charis of God in the truth. What he means there is he could see in them that more they followed Jesus Christ, the more like Jesus they became. Now, I'm not a fruit inspector. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a fruit inspector. God didn't call me to be the fruit. God didn't call me to look at your life and examine you and say, well, now, uh, let me see some fruit here, you know. No, that's not my job. <clears throat> I have a secret. It's not your job either. Huh? It's not our job. Fruit bearing has to do with being Christ-like. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. How, how are you becoming more like Jesus? Let's see. Today, oh, do you know what today is? Anybody know in the church calendar? I know it's Jan, uh, June 5, but... Uh, in the church calendar, what, what day is it? It's Pentecost. It's the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of Jesus onto every believer. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost begins today. And that may have something to do with Baptists studying the Holy Spirit in Bible study this morning. Amen. It's Pentecost. Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit of God. Now He dwells in us. Now He walks with us. Now we can become like Him when we invite Him into our life. Now if you think about today being June 5, 2022, how's your walk with Jesus been since the beginning of summer last year? Have you grown closer to the Lord? by gaining victory over sin and being confessing sin in your life? Have you grown closer to the Lord through your trials and, and learning to call on God and enjoying His grace to endure what God's called you to endure at this point? Have you grown closer to the Lord in this term of intimacy and fellowship with Jesus Christ because He's offering it, offering it, and inviting it to you, inviting it? If you looked back 10 years ago, are you closer in intimate relationship with Jesus than you were 10 years ago? What, what about the day that, that, well, you got saved? Are you, are you walking closer? Are you, more like, are you becoming more like the Christ you follow? I remember walking after my dad out in the garden. Daddy had polio as a, as a young boy. His right hand didn't work well, but he was right-handed, so I had to use his left hand a whole lot. But his right foot leaned out this way, everywhere he went. And I'd walk like my dad, and I still do it today. 
What you look at and who you follow is who you become. Can you see some progress of Christ's likeness in your character, in your outlook to the world? If you've not yet started that journey with Jesus, I invite you to do that this morning. Just simply come forward and say, I trust and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I know I'm a sinner. And I know that Christ died for my... I believe that. And I want Jesus to live in me and take charge of my life. That's what being saved is all about. That's called receiving Christ. That means... <clears throat> that's called being saved. And if you're willing to do that, I want you to come forward this morning and be seated right up here on the front row. Maybe there's a prayer request you have or maybe there's a prayer you'd like to just come and pray during the invitation time. You're welcome to do that. Will you bow with me as we pray? We thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that lives in us and walks with us. We thank you, Lord, that we can grow in Christ's likeness and that the joy you give us in Jesus is a joy that's going to last for eternity. No matter, no matter, no matter what we're going through right now, no one can steal the Holy Spirit from us and the joy that, Jesus, you bring to us. No earthly trouble can deny us or take it away. Even Satan himself is powerless over the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Thank you, Lord, for this joy. We claim it. We receive this joy, and we thank you. And now it's time to open the doors of this church for invitation for those who will come forward giving their life to Jesus. And may there be somebody to say, I turn my life over to Christ. I want to be saved. In Jesus' name I pray. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.